0: You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun. We're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone and welcome to this week's Drone News. Joining me today is the Flying Dutchman, and as you know, my name is Paul. First up, in this week's drone news, it seems as public safety continues to utilize drones that more complex problems are arising. Haya, what do you have?
1: Yeah, this first story takes us to Canada where a uh, police helicopter collided with a drone and this is a helicopter from Royal Canadian Mounted Police. It's an AS350 B3 helicopter and it collided with a drone, a very expensive one, costing about a hundred thousand dollars from Aaron Labs and that is actually owned by Fleur Systems. Uh, It was a tethered drone flying at about 300 feet and it collided with the helicopter. Uh, It struck the props as well as the tail rotor. There were three people on board of the helicopter. It landed safely. Nobody got hurt, but it must have been a scary and also an expensive experience. The helicopter was grounded, basically, and was removed later for repairs. I'm just happy that nobody got hurt. I mean, these drones are heavy. It could have been a lot, lot worse. Uh, that thing could have crashed, and then uh, who knows what would have happened. So the Canadian Transport Safety Board rated this a number five on the scale to six. I guess six is the most dramatic situation so that kind of gives you an indication as to how bad this was. Um... Shit happens. Uh, I'm just happy that nobody got injured or nobody died, nobody got hurt. It is important to know that the helicopter and the drone were on a joint mission, so they were playing for the same team with the same goal in mind, and still they got in each other's way somehow. So if we ever learn more about how this was possible and how this happened, we'll be sure to share it. But uh, so far it happens. We're just happy that nobody got died, nobody got injured and nobody died.
0: couldn't agree with you more. It showcases the importance of communication procedures and protocols between manned aircraft and unmanned aircraft, which is rather difficult here in the United States with existing FCC law as unmanned pilots are unable to squawk on the right channels to reach helicopter pilots, which this problem may become more and more relevant, Haya, as news teams around the country utilize manned and unmanned aircraft. In our next piece of drone news this week... It seems like the real winners of the pandemic might just be kids, as adults seem to be compassionate and want to help them further their lives. And now, they're just helping kids take to the skies and further their experiences in a whole new way. Hiya, what's going on here?
1: Yeah, I think this is a really cool story. Um, as you know, Wing, a company that's part of Alphabet, which also owns Google, has a drone delivery service. And they started with testing the drone delivery service in Christiansburg, Virginia, last year. Now, one of the people who took part in those initial tests was Kelly Pesek. And she is a middle school librarian. And she took part in the initial drone deliveries from Wing. And as she realized that, so like, hey, this is a great way to get books to kids during the summer in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic when we need to socially distance. So she contacted Wings. She reached out to them. And those guys actually thought it was a great idea. So this summer, they're going to supply library books for summer reading to school kids by drone and I think it's an awesome idea this happens in the Montgomery uh, County School District and I think they reach a total of 600 students so 600 kids are gonna experience what it's like to get their school books or library books delivered by drone to their backyards I'm all for and actually uh, I would love to go over there and see what it's like and see what the reactions are from kids I think this is uh, it's a great way to showcase new technology to the next generation so i'm all in favor
0: yeah it goes to show the importance of allowing kids to be able to take flight as how many of those kids are going to be inspired by what they see this summer and how are those kids going to be able to safely explore taking to the skies with drones themselves an important question in regards to the evolution of remote id but hi in this next piece of news Many people are wondering why Amazon has not started delivering with drones just yet as it was almost five years ago that they announced over Christmas that they were going to be delivering with drones within a few years but it has many asking when will this actually happen.
1: Yeah, Jeff Bezos, I think it was on 60 Minutes uh, back in 2013, famously predicted that within what, five years, drone deliveries to consumers across the country would be like a routine occurrence, like something that would happen regularly and nobody would be surprised by it. Now, here we are seven years later. It's not quite like that. Jeff Bezos kind of stuck his neck out, was very positive about drone deliveries. And I think, Considering how aggressive and revolutionary Amazon has been when it comes to e-commerce, I think at the same time, a lot of people are kind of surprised that still we haven't really seen or heard anything from Amazon when it comes to deliveries by drone. Meanwhile, Wing has been taking off, UPS, we have Modernet, we have Zipline. There are plenty of examples where drone deliveries are actually taking place, but it's been awfully quiet from Amazon. Now, Business Insider had a great piece where they spent quite a bit of time going behind the scenes, talking to a number of people to kind of find out what the heck is going on. And apparently what happened is that Gur Kimchi, I hope I pronounced his name correctly, he was like the main face of Amazon Prime Air, pushing Amazon into the drone delivery business. He has resigned and it's not quite sure what his new role within Amazon is. Apparently, nobody reports to him anymore. And the Amazon Prime team that is responsible for launching this drone delivery business within Amazon has been disorganized. Uh, There's been a lot of changes. There has not been a clear direction. We know that the regulations from the FAA that uh, you have to comply with in order to be able to make drone deliveries has been a very big obstacle for Amazon to deal with. And if you want to know all the nitty gritty, then uh, I urge you to read that article. But it's kind of interesting that a company that's so aggressive, so advanced, that has such deep pockets and access to all kinds of technology has been working on drone deliveries for a number of years. And we still, have yet to see something substantial something that actually yeah, is happening so I, I hope they figure this stuff out it'd be super exciting to see what Amazon uh, would be able to do but as of yet they're falling behind and it's uh, it's too bad really
0: it seems like that this would fall under uh, transport Canada's uh, drama scale as a number six not a number five
1: that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Maybe we should extend that scale as well. Maybe seven or eight. I don't know, but uh, they need to up their game. And uh, during one of the last meetings uh, where Jeff Bezos was present as well, uh, somebody said, yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. And uh, Jeff Bezos reportedly said uh, next Tuesday, right? It'll be ready by next Tuesday. We'll see. Tuesdays come and Tuesdays go. So <laughs> They
0: sure do. It would be nice if the FAA had a drama scale because... That may make things a little bit more enjoyable. But in, in our next piece of drone news, which is actually quite enjoyable, if many of you remember, we discussed here on the news show exactly how U.S. drone pilots can safely fly protests by following some simple rules. We even notated that waivers are not necessarily required if the right flight path is taken. And it seems like one drone pilot in Oregon has really taken off with this information and proven that, well, maybe flight over people waivers are really not that necessary, especially when considering what some of the old time drone pilots would say about operations over people, which is that the FAA has only commoditized operations over people, which were taking place far prior to 2016. Haya, what's going on with capturing
1: protests and not needing a waiver? Yeah, since the protests have been taking place in many American and and not even just American, but around the world, uh, in many big cities, we've seen a lot of drone footage showing these protests and the the things that are taking place. Uh, We've seen drone videos, drone photos. Now, when you fly in an urban area, of course, it's tricky. There might be airports close by. You might have GPS interference. uh, You might be flying over people, even if you don't intend to. Some of these drone videos and shots that we've seen were taken uh, during the darker hours of the day. So maybe people were flying at night time. There's a lot of stuff that comes into play when you safely want to fly in an urban environment. Now, this guy, Jamie Goodwick, owns uh, and runs Portland Drone, and he has the waivers, and he has a a DJI Mavic 2 Pro that's outfitted with a parachute system, and he is allowed to fly over people. However, in this specific instance, he didn't even need his waiver because he was either flying in front of the protesters on emptied-out streets, so as they were advancing to him, he would back up with the drone and fly over. over an empty space, or he would fly along them marching on Martha uh, Luther King uh, Boulevard in Portland over the rooftops of buildings. So he was able to get all the footage, get really close to the action, get all those shots, but do so in a safe manner, uh, in a responsible manner, without breaking the rules, without needing a waiver. And I think it's important to talk about this because since we've seen so many drone videos and photos, it's important for people to realize what the rules are, how you fly safely and responsibly. And here's a great example of somebody putting that in practice. And I think it's, uh, it's definitely worth uh, noticing.
0: Yeah, this is awesome. I mean, this is really awesome to see such a, a fantastic use of the tool in really helping capture uh, an important time in history. And frankly, I think that this is awesome as humans creatively use tools to showcase the beauty of humanity as a whole. That being said, into our next piece of drone news. It seems like the government is finally open to comment. No, we're not talking about the FAA. Hiya, what do you have?
1: Yeah, this is the Department of Homeland Security. I mean, we know that uh, especially Chinese drones and Chinese drone manufacturers have been under a lot of fire and pressure from different parts of the U.S. government. In this case, the Department of Homeland Security wants to know what people think about drones being put to use in emergency situations. So they are going to run a survey. And what they've done now is on the Federal Register, they've announced a survey. They want to get comments from people on how to structure the survey, survey is scheduled for later, and it's titled Understanding Public Perception and Acceptance of First Responders' Use of Unmanned Aircraft Systems. So they want to get a sense of what the public feels about, hey, there are forest fires and they're using drones, or there's been an earthquake or a hurricane and the first responders are using drones. They want to know what the people's perception is and. I think this is important. I think it's very important. And it's also one of the reasons why we've been pushing stories where drones are being used for good, because there's been so many situations and so many examples where drones actually played a critical role in saving somebody's life. We want to push those stories forward because we think it helps shape the perception among the general public. It's good to see that the Department of Homeland Security is interested in this stuff as well. So whenever that survey comes out, uh, I would say be sure to participate and then give them your feedback. I think currently drones can do a lot more than what they've been allowed to do I know from Brandon Schulman from DJI that the latest count that they have which is somewhat an unofficial count is that 410 people's lives have been saved with the help of drone now with drones so sometimes this is a a clear relationship with the drone and the situation where somebody's life was at risk in other cases it might have been that there was a search party where a drone played an assisting role so the level in which the drone contributed might have differed here and there but still there are a lot of situations where drones did play a critical role and that's with all the current restrictions in place. If we allow forced responders to use drones in their full capacity, that number probably would rise tremendously and very quickly. So when this survey comes out, I would urge everybody to participate and let them know what you think about drones and how drones can help save people's lives.
0: Fantastic. I couldn't agree more, Haya. And I think this is a great opportunity for drone pilots to rise up and speak positively about the good that drones can do, as this is a great time to speak up and to be heard by the right people. So I think that's awesome. Speaking of being heard by the right people and kind of going in line with this uh, notion of security issues, it seems like Parrot, the company, and myself... Have a lot in common, as we both like to poke the bear. Now, Parrot is saying, hey, DJI, can we trust your drones? And I would say, what a fantastic use of an open-ended, calibrated question. Haya, what's going on?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Parrot. We've seen prototypes and early images of a new drone that has a dual lens setup with a thermal camera. So you have three cameras or three sensors, basically. And it allows you to zoom in 32 times optical and get a thermal view. So it's an awesome drone, at least it seems. It's a modified Parrot Anafi, a little sturdier, a little better, bigger, stronger. And it's due to be released by the end of this month. Now, Barrett hasn't really released all that much information about this, but what they did do is send out two announcements. And the first one said, don't trust Chinese drones, and the second one gave the question, do you trust DJI drones? So. Clearly, Parrot is kind of trying to play off of the whole data security and the U.S. government not trusting Chinese drones or drones that are made in China or specifically by DJI, and they're trying to benefit from this situation. I'm not sure if this is the right marketing strategy. It's kind of interesting. Also, if you look closely at the Parrot Anafi, it says it's designed in France, but guess where it was built? It was actually put together in China. So even the Parrot Anafi is a Chinese-made drone in that regard. So I don't know if when you're... About to launch a new drone, and I would imagine this one is specifically targeted at government agencies, first responders, local law enforcement, those kind of people. If that's what you're going after, I don't know if putting the emphasis on Chinese-made drones is the best way to kind of introduce and to announce your new product. specifically since the Parrot Anafi is made in China. Now, we have heard information that this new Parrot drone might be made in the US just to kind of solve that problem however even if it's assembled in the united states probably a lot of the components inside the drone might still be chinese so i think by pushing the narrative this way you lose either way i don't think you make yourself look better by putting other people down Um, in this case they take on dji i haven't heard anything from dji whether they're going to fight this whether they're going to sue them or whatever i don't think they would i don't think they should i don't think it's worth their time but anyway it's an interesting approach from parrots to get into the market with a new product uh, by, yeah, saying stuff like this about Chinese drones and DJI drones specifically.
0: Yeah. Well, while I agree with you that calling people out is probably not going to offer a mutually beneficial situation, as I have learned recently, but I will say that I think it's important that we are able to have conflicting conversation because true objective, well, Uh, conclusions are, are really met much faster. That being said, Haya, do you see a fundamental marketing shift in the industry overall as it seems to me like companies have been really shy to call out DJI, and now that Autel has won their lawsuit against DJI, it seems like the DJI rhetoric is, well, taking flight.
1: You could, you could think that. I mean, uh, the lawsuit between or the patent fight between Autel and DJI is not over yet. Uh, that's still ongoing and it might take until August before we hear the last on it. Um, I think the whole discussion about Chinese made drones and China and other electronics that are made in China, like laptops and microwaves and smartphones and whatnot, I think that's a whole separate discussion. I don't know if, if it's a smart way to promote new products unless your product has nothing to do with China, which is tough because even the Skydio drones, uh, which is an American company based in America, funded in America, even their drones, and they're, they're assembled in the United States, they still contain Chinese parts. And I believe I heard Adam Bry, one of the co-founders, say at some point that they're striving to make it an all-American drone with only American components, uh, but that's not something that they can do as of yet. So... Unless you have better products, better components, and you can actually make a 100% American-made drone or 100% French-made drone for that matter, I'm not sure if uh, playing off of the whole Chinese narrative is the right way to go.
0: Word on the street is, too, that the coronavirus pandemic has provided Skydio with the opportunity to pivot into American public safety drones. So it would be really, really interesting to see how this all unfolds. At the same time, it seems like unless there's clarity in how remote ID moves forward, it seems like maybe all drone manufacturers could potentially still lose at this point. So I would say I think this is a great example of why people should go back to that article that we talked about with DHS asking questions about public safety and go comment on there and go talk about, you know, do we need to eliminate all Chinese parts or can we differentiate dumb and smart parts? You know what I mean? And really be able to still Mm. utilize a global supply chain while developing a local supply chain here in the United States.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, and and Brendan actually mentioned this in an interview is that you talk about Chinese made drones and um, there's, two important things there. One is, if you're so concerned about China, then that has nothing to do with drones necessarily, then it would have to do with anything coming out of China. So if it's country specific, then it should apply to everything that comes from that specific country. Or if you're talking about drones, then it shouldn't just be related to China, then it should matter for all countries that make drones. So. I think what would be a more constructive approach would be to define what the data security and other security requirements are, and then whoever can meet them would be able to make those drones that we could then use within government agencies. And at that point, it shouldn't matter if it's a drone or, let's say, a cell phone or whatever, or it shouldn't matter if it's a French drone, Chinese drone or a US-made drone. And right now, it has a sense of, oh, let's target China because it serves a political agenda. And since drones are peeping toms in the eyes of many people and they're afraid of their privacy and all that stuff, it makes it an easy scapegoat. But when you look into it in more detail, uh, the story kind of falls apart. I think so. I hope it goes away and I hope that if they really want to have secure drones and data security then they should come up with the requirements that you need to meet in order to get those drones and where they are made should become irrelevant at that point.
0: I agree, Haya. I agree on many counts and uh, I hope to see some clarity in this in the future. But I will say I'm really excited to see clarity on the whole issue with drones at airports as many drone pilots have been questioning whether there was ever a drone that truly interrupted Gatwick Airport in the United Kingdom. And as air traffic has plummeted in the wake of the coronavirus, it seems like, Haya, the proof is in the pudding, as the United Kingdom has shown us if there was really a drone there
1: or not. Haya, what did you find? Yeah, Gatwick Airport, December 2018. In the midst of busy holiday travel, uh, drones disrupted the air traffic at Gatwick in a in a very dramatic way, leaving 140,000 140,000 passengers stranded. A thousand flights were disrupted, and in total, the airport was shut down for 30 hours because of drone sightings. Now. The problem is we have never seen any real conclusive evidence that there were in fact drones. We have seen some footage, but that wasn't all that clear. The quality just wasn't there. At the same time, a lot of people do say that they have seen drones and there've been 129 separate drone sightings from which 109 come from credible sources, credible witnesses, according to the police. So these would include airport workers, airport police, and pilots. People you would think would be able to distinguish, let's say, between a satellite or an airplane or a helicopter and an unmanned aircraft. So there are a lot of people who at least believe they've seen drones. Now, what happened is that in those days when uh, the Gatwick Airport was facing these drone sightings and the air traffic was shut down, the police was anxiously looking for the perpetrators. And in the midst of doing so, they've arrested Paul and Aline Gat. And the police stormed into their house with 12 armed officers, And arrested them, and they were taken into custody. I think for a total of 36 hours without being able to talk to anybody. They were interrogated, and they were seen as the prime suspects in this whole drone chaos at Gatwick Airport. These guys have now been cleared. They, well, they had been cleared some time ago, but they sued the police, and they received a 200,000 British pounds. how do you say that settlements basically for all the inconvenience and trouble that they had to go through the whole Gatwick situation. is a fascinating story because on one hand, with so many professional airport workers have seen drones, you might think, okay, then there must've been a drone, right? I mean, if there's smoke, there's gotta be fire somewhere. At the same time, we haven't really seen any hard evidence. We haven't seen pictures that clearly show a drone. We haven't seen any video footage that clearly show a drone. Uh, So it it still kind of makes us wonder because in many other situations where drones were reported to disrupt airport traffic, they were mistaken and what seemed to be a drone might've been a balloon or might've been a bird or might've been a plastic bag floating through the air. So there's been many other cases where drones were the prime suspect. And in fact, it turned out to be something else. At Gatwick, we're still not 100% sure. But at the same time, there are a lot of people that saw uh, drones indeed. Now, luckily, these people, this couple has been cleared of any wrongdoing. They've received their settlements. So at least these guys can move on. But I think the Gatwick story is, uh, is a story that's going to yeah pop up every so often. Uh, it's by far the biggest drone incident story at an airport in, uh, in recent years.
0: Yes, I think it also goes to show that we were right about uh, our initial claims regarding the Gatwick incident, that it looked like there was never a drone there. And for the police to just quietly, two years later, be like, oh, yeah, there was no drone there. Um, I mean, it goes to show that uh, I think the police could be used in more efficient and uh, effective ways. That being said... As we move into Drones for Good, Haya, let's leave everyone with a good taste in their mouth. As once again, drones prove why they are such a valuable tool for society. What happened, Haya? Drama scale, is it a two or a five?
1: Uh, this is a close one. This is a four. Uh, drones for Good, being used for good in a very good way. A father and daughter were in a canoe or kayak on the San Jopin River. Probably didn't pronounce that right. Uh, But anyway, they pedaled out on this river. There's video footage. Uh, It seems like it was quite windy and there was some chop for sure. And at some point, their canoe capsized and sunk. And they were able to swim to a um, shipwreck, which used to be an old train ferry that's sunk in the middle of the river and it kind of forms an island. They were able to kind of get themselves to safety there and a person in a rowboat stopped by and saved the daughter. The father and daughter had already made an emergency call. Police department, fire department got involved. They send a the drone out. So that's why we have drone footage of the of not the actual incident, but the rescue situation thereafter. You see the daughter being rescued and then later on a fire department boat comes in and rescues the father as well. What's important is that the drone provides a set of eyes in the sky and it provides a clear overview of what the situation is like where somebody's located and the kind of help that they require and even though the drone doesn't actually interact with the father and the daughter it does help the fire department and the police department to decide what kind of resources are needed how urgent the situation is where they need to be sent to because with the drone and gps you now have the exact coordinates of where these people are stranded so they were safe uh, nobody was injured i think they were a little cold because of being in the water for so long but it's a good example again where people's lives have been affected and have been potentially saved with the help of drones so drones are good. and any story like this that we come across we'll be sure to cover here on the on the drone news show
0: yeah i love it haya i love to see drones uh being used for uh fast water rescue that's one of the exercises that we did at the fly-in uh last year and the year before that so it's awesome to see drones being used on the san joaquin river it's uh really really cool man uh, whenever we see you know drones being used to save lives. It reminds us just one reason why we take to the skies. So thank you, Haya, for keeping that inspiration rolling. Really appreciate it.
1: Awesome, man. Glad to be in the show.
0: Me too. And that's going to do it for our new show this week. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to leave us a review, nice or really mean, uh, please feel free to do whatever floats your boat. But if it sinks, just remember who's going to come save you With their drone. My name is Paul, he's the Flying Dutchman. This is Drone News. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone youth.